Welcome, it's indisputable. Good to be with you, we got a lot of show today. Joining me, breaking down news of the day, my contributor, Senator Nina Turner, former Ohio State Senator and TYT contributor. Also, we will have an interesting debate. The bullpen will deliver. There's somebody here to debate January 6th. We got a lot of content about that as well. Let me take you to my top story. Steve Bannon is now mad at Donald Trump. He's lecturing Donald Trump. He's upset that Donald Trump did not memorialize today with another hate speech for the cronies of Trump. You know, there's a reason why virtually every member of the KKK is also a Donald Trump supporter. This narrative that says, "Oh no, just because you support Donald Trump does not mean you're racist." Really? Let me be very clear with you. If you tell me you support Donald Trump, I am going to assume you're racist. Period. Off the bat, all right? And I have plenty of evidence to back it up. So let's get to the nitty-gritty. Here's the video. That's why we said, and we're never going to back off it. And this is why President Trump tomorrow should step in front of the microphones at Mar-a-Lago. When Lindsey Graham's giving you advice, run the other way. That guy is wrong on everything. He's part of the problem, not part of the Donald J. Trump should walk up tomorrow at Mar-a-Lago, and the whole world will be there. He's got command of the narrative. Nobody's got the facts better than Donald Trump. Nobody can give a press conference better than Donald Trump. And it would juxtapose, and and by the way, if, if, if Joni Ernst, and Caputo, and they're all in the political story. And Caputo and all the Republicans, if they're telling you not to do something, do the exact opposite. They're not your friends and allies. They've drafted off your coattails forever and put the knife into you and try to cut you up a million ways from Sunday. So don't listen to them. When Lindsey Graham tells you don't have a press conference, you know what you do? You say, hey, you know what? The press conference is going to go for five hours, right? Five hours. You should have the press conference. You should sit there and you lay out your case. One of the most powerful things President Trump has said, Peter Navarro, is that the insurrection was on November 3rd, and we're seeing it. Look in Georgia. A damn lie. The insurrection took place on January 6th of last year. Today is the anniversary of that attempted overthrow of the American democracy, the U.S. Constitution, the certification of the election. All of that happened. The threatening of Mike Pence, the threatening of members of Congress, the threatening of Capitol Police officers, the threatening of our American democracy in total. That happened. They did it. But somehow they are pro-America. They are pro-decency. They are pro-God, pro-faith, pro-religion. It's ridiculous, it's insane. Here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Bannon and the crew, they do not want democracy. They never did, they want anarchy. They want anarchy so they can start creating their own rules. Here's the narrative from members of the White House at the time and the street team, the terrorist attack, the people that actually committed acts of terrorism. It was a plan. What was the plan? The plan was to prolong the certification. They wanted to prolong the certification so that the certification did not take place within the constitutional time parameters. Because if you could successfully do that, you're now in what's called a constitutional crisis where the rules are undefined. Why do they want the rules to be undefined? So that they can make up the rules at that point. That was the strategy. That narrative has now been stated on the record. They had a plan to simply prolong it. Steve Bannon lashed out at several Republican senators on Wednesday. 
after they reportedly convinced former President Donald Trump to cancel a press conference that was scheduled for the anniversary, which is today of the January 6th terrorist attack on the US Capitol. Let me be very clear, I do not buy that. I do not buy the spin that somehow Republicans are the ones who talk Donald Trump out of doing this speech. Now, they're going to spin it this way, and even Donald Trump is going to say it, but he really reveals himself in his own answer. The truth of why Donald Trump did not do it, in my humble opinion, based on assessment, is because many media outlets said they would not cover it. They would not give him the space, they would not replay. That's the echo chamber of media, it's a media strategy, it's part of media theory called framing theory. They said we're not going to engage in promoting his proclamations on the anniversary of January 6th. That's what did it. That's the reason why he decided to withdraw. Now they're blaming Lindsey Graham and others who likely did advocate for him not to do it only because of their own political interests, because they would have to defend the lie again. That somehow Trump supporters were not behind it or somehow Trump did not radicalize and then instruct them to do exactly what they did. Trump said, and I quote, the insurrection took place on November 3rd, election day. January 6th was the protest. Trump said in a statement Thursday before the House voted to hold former Trump aide Steve Bannon in contempt for defying a subpoena from the committee investigating the Capitol riot. All right, now there's another report. This report came out just a few days ago that said Senator Lindsey Graham and Fox News host Ingram, Laura Ingram pushed Trump to cancel the January 6th press conference. During this Wednesday broadcast, Bannon was livid about the cancellation. Trump don't listen to y'all, he doesn't. He does not listen to Lindsey Graham, he does not listen to Ingram. He doesn't listen to any of them, he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't even listen to his own children, okay? That's why I do not believe this spin narrative. So Bannon goes on to say, we are never going to back off of it. This is scary language, but it's important to highlight. Bannon also said, and that's why President Trump tomorrow should step in front of the microphones at Mar-a-Lago. Bad advice, but that's what he's telling Trump he should have done today. When Lindsey Graham is giving you advice, run the other way. That guy's wrong on everything. He's part of the problem, not part of the solution. That is their sentiment, they are imploding. Their white supremacist message is imploding, but it has been imploding since day one. And what they have successfully been able to do is recruit individuals who at one time would stand against that ideology are now friends of that ideological chaos. Remember, it was Lindsey Graham who said Donald Trump was a race baiting, xenophobic bigot. It was Lindsey Graham who said that about Donald Trump until Donald Trump made Lindsey Graham his you know what. Lindsay said that about Trump. And now Lindsay defies all medical science by standing upright with absolutely no backbone. There's more. Donald Trump said in a statement Tuesday evening, in light of the total bias, now this is why he canceled. In light of the total bias and dishonesty of the January 6th unselect committee of Democrats, two failed Republicans and the fake news media. I am canceling the January 6th press conference 
at Mar-a-Lago on Thursday. And instead, we'll discuss many of those important topics at my rally on Saturday, January 15th in Arizona. It will be a big crowd, all right? Now, that's the part they want you to believe because naturally they would like this to somehow be the fault of Democrats. Good, if I was Nancy Pelosi, I would take credit for it. Damn right, I'm the one that stopped Trump, even if it's not true. But he reveals himself because he's a simple minded man. He says this, what has become more and more obvious to all is that the lame stream media, there it is. That's the reason Trump, the lamestream media in his terminology, I can't believe a former president is saying lamestream media, will not report the facts that Nancy Pelosi and Capitol Sergeant at Arms denied request for the DC National Guard and military to be present at the Capitol. Their emails and correspondence with the Department of Defense exist, but the media won't ask for this evidence or report the truth. Wait a minute, Trump. Okay, let's follow your logic here. If these were just protesters who love America, as you said they were, why are you concerned that the military wasn't there? All right, Senator, what are your thoughts on this whole debacle? Oh, I sigh. I mean, Mm -hmm. with this man craze, the most is attention. So you hit the nail right on the head. It was the media's refusal to go live with him that made him absolutely turn this around. Uh, Having Steve Bannon go on the tirade shows very clearly that there's trouble in Trump world. But whatever the reason is, unless Donald J. Trump was gonna step up to the podium and denounce what happened on the 6th, apologize for the role, throw himself on the mercy of the American people and ask for forgiveness, there is no need for him to say anything today. Very well said. Very well said, and we have to continue to call a thing a thing. Donald J. Trump is in charge of the largest cult known in American history. He has radicalized domestic terrorists. They have engaged in already one massive act of terrorism, and they are being treated as if they have simply went over the speeding limit, minor infraction. Unrelated story, but very important. Trayvon Martin, we remember the story. We remember he was killed by Zimmerman. This young black male committed no crime. He was wearing a hoodie one night and somehow wearing a hoodie has now been equivocated to being criminal. Well, we got new information from Ohio State University. Former Ohio State University coach, Urban Meyer came under fire for his team using a photo of Trayvon Martin as a way of enforcing the team's no hoodie policy. No hoodie policy. The news of the Martin picture surfaced in a tweet from former Ohio State defensive back Marcus Williamson, who said he retired from football before the Buckeyes Rose Bowl game on Saturday, Williamson levied several stinging allegations toward the program. Some that were denied by former players and some supported. Many of his tweets reference coaches, specifically Urban Meyer. Here's the tweet, let's put it up, okay? Marcus said, and I quote, my first team meeting, true story 2017. 
This photo was presented to us via PowerPoint to institute our building-wide rule of no hoods in the building, okay? So no hoodies. And obviously, you have to use a picture of a murdered child to make the point of your ridiculous race-based dress code, all right? Trayvon Martin, as you know, was shot and killed by George Zimmerman in 2012. He was a teenager, only 17 years old. Urban Meyer said he was unaware until recently that a photo of Trayvon Martin was used in 2017 during the meeting, uh, during his tenure as Ohio State coach. But he initially denied that it happened. He said, and I quote, I didn't know about it until one hour ago, until after talking to former um, safety Powell, Meyer told the Columbus Pat Dispatch in a story published on Wednesday. I was there in the meeting. None of the coaches were present. It was a support staffer who was in error and apologized. So there you go, Urban Meyer, go ahead and blame somebody else um, on the support staff, all right? Uh, Meyer said people should think twice, watch this, said people should think twice about using the what? About using the R word, racism. Wait a minute. So that's that's the lesson you get out of this, Meyer. That people need to think twice about using the R word. My biggest thing is you use the R word, racism, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not. People run with it. That's his issue. He's concerned about people using the R word. All right. Uh, Meyer, who coached um, OSU from 2012 to 2018, won a national championship with the Buckeyes in 2014 before retiring in 2018, December, due to health reasons. Uh, last December, he was fired as the head coach of the Jaguars after a um, horrible 2 and 11 record. And a string of negative headlines contributed to his dismissal. Uh, he's lying. He knew what happened. Now, he can claim, well, I wasn't in the room when it happened. But I guarantee you, when he made that denial, when he said, oh, no, 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 that never happened, he knew it happened. But once again, structural racism inside of institutions being promoted by individuals who are in position of faculty authority, not being sensitive enough to understand the psychological and sociological trauma things like this create. Thankfully, a few brave individuals decided to talk about it. And that's the reason why we understand exactly what happened after the lie was told. All right, Ms. Turner, what are your thoughts on this story? Well, Doc, I'm feeling the ground in my moment. Mm. My grandma used to say you could put truth in the river five days after lie, but truth gon' catch up. This mm-hmm. is that this is that moment. I'm so glad that Marcus spilled the tea on this coach. And the fact, as you said, that the that the coach only got the R and not no cultural competency. Okay, that right. that's 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 those are my two words for the day. Cultural competency that he and the people around him lacked an understanding and a respect. For African American culture and to label an article of clothing. I mean, my God, I wish they had a no hoodie policy for the Ku Klux Klan. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, that's a real dress code policy. But to just label and make African American men uh, feel bad about wearing a hoodie, and that somehow they didn't get the link, Doc, that even putting up, first of all, putting up Trayvon Martin's picture, blasphemous. You ask me. But secondly, to add to that, that the culture of wearing a hoodie is somehow linked to criminology. 
or, or being criminal. Trayvon Martin did nothing wrong. And so black folks, white folks, purple folks, people should be able to wear a hoodie if they want to. So yep. just think about the psychology as you were talking about that's wrapped into even the whole notion of criminalizing a hoodie. Yeah, and you know, and they simply, if they wanted to go along with this ridiculous uh, racially biased and heavily coded dress code, right? They could have just put up a picture of a hoodie. That's it. They had to find a black man and had to find a, a black young man, a black teenager who was dead in order to make their point. Okay. All right. 18 year old kid turned in his father to the FBI because his father went to the Capitol last year and attacked police officers. Then the father threatened to kill his children if his children told on him. Let me give you some background to the story. Put up a picture of the seemingly happy family. Okay, that's the family. Let me give you the background. On January 5th of last year, Guy Reffitt, a member of the Texas Three Percenters Militia, packed his AR-15 and a Smith and Wesson pistol into his wife's car and set off on the 1300 mile journey from Texas to Washington DC, okay? Let's put up the picture of the family again, let's put it up, all right? There are some people in this picture that I'm going to highlight. So I want you to take a good look at the father, wife, and the children, okay? The next day, we're talking about January 6th now, armed with his gun, he attended the Stop the Steal rally in front of the White House. Remember when we've said there were armed individuals there? He was one of them, okay? Then marched with the crowd over to the US Capitol building, where he allegedly charged at police officers with such force that they had to fire projectiles and use pepper spray to hold him back. Let's put up a picture of Guy Reffitt, all right? That is full battle gear. He was armed, he drove 1300 miles and put on full battle gear. The story gets deeper. Now, some of you may be saying, you know, doc, bad move. I, I really don't agree with a kid turning in his own father to the FBI. Well, damn it, I do in this case. In this case, I do. Let me give you some more background to it. When he returned to Texas, all right, according to prosecutors, he delivered a threat to his son, Jackson, 18, and daughter, Peyton, 16, about what would happen if they told anyone what he'd done. If you turn me in, you're a traitor. And you know what happens to traitors. Traitors get shot. What he didn't know is that they already turned him in. The son already had turned him in and the family is completely broken up. There's a significant separation in the family, emotional issues, etc. But you know who really broke this family up? This guy. There he is. Donald J. Trump. Okay. On January 16th, federal marshal showed up at Ref's house and took him into custody. Now he's said to become the first Capitol rioter, terrorist attacker. To stand trial next month, charged with attacking a Capitol Police officer, bringing a weapon onto Capitol grounds 
and obstructing the process of certifying President Joe Biden's victory. He is also charged with threatening his own children, all right? The daughter says this, on most days, Peyton, who's now 17, that's the daughter here, is just grateful to get by. But then when she has a moment to stop and think, something will remind her that her father is in prison, that she's no longer in touch with her brother. Her brother has been exiled from the family. This has split the whole family up. She says, I feel like I've been bleeding out on the floor for a whole year, whole family upside down. Why? Because of this guy, put his picture up again. This is what terrorists would do to you, okay? Breaks up families. The reason why the son turned in his father was because the father became increasingly more violent, was involved in local issues that he should not have been involved in according to the son. And he was afraid that either his father was going to kill somebody or going to get killed himself. And so the son did this as a way to protect his father and protect his family because he saw the signs. Now, some of you may disagree with this, but let me be very clear. Think about all of the terrorist attacks we've seen. What if someone would have saw the signs and did exactly what this 18 year old did? Lives would be saved. Senator thoughts. Yeah, this is a sad saga for this family, but certainly Jackson displayed a lot of courage uh, to be able to do something like this at such a young age too. I mean, just for him to see the signs. But I, I truly feel bad for this family and the father, the fact that he came back home, you know, and threatened his children with killing them further illustrates that this man really does have some deep seated problems. So Jackson, as painful as this is and probably will be for him and his family for a very long time, he absolutely did the right thing. Absolutely. And to me, Jackson is a hero. I believe he saved lives and we need more people like him when this kind of radical ideology sets in and somebody that we know danger is coming, all right, either to someone else or themselves. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left, good to be with you, a lot on the agenda. Uh, Do not forget, we got a big announcement on Friday, okay? Big announcement, tune into the Young Turks Power Panel, January 7th, to find out what we've got for you in 2022. You don't wanna miss it, I promise you. It is going to be all that and some, all right? So make sure you tune in. Um, From being the first to cover important stories to taking positive action on the ground, TYT has been at the forefront. We've been at the forefront of positive change since creation of this network. You can be part of that change machine, you are the Young Turk. Become part of that change machine by being a member, tyt.com forward slash change, tyt.com forward slash change. And don't forget, Reactions with Ravana. We laugh at the news because if we don't, we will cry. Catch reactions with Ravana. Thursdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. That's a Twitch exclusive. Tune in to twitch.tv forward slash TYT. Let me read some of these amazing comments. I will read as many as I can, okay? Dragon Slayer, Slayer Dragon. It doesn't matter. You give him air time, uh, he pollutes it uh, with. Uh, with terrorism, you take it away and they call him a martyr. Yeah, that. but he set up, it's called binary marketing. He set up a win-win scenario both ways for him. 
Um, let's go to Twitch, New Moon, JLP. I think Trump's lawyers are alerting him that he is likely to further incriminate himself in the light of all these texts and emails that are coming out, so much collusion. Once again, I respectfully disagree because Trump listens to who? Nobody. <laughs> he li- listens to Trump, right? Sometimes he doesn't even do a good job doing that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um, let me read one more. Dragon Rose of Desire. Also, if you have to threaten against turning someone in, <laughs> you already know you're guilty. Yeah, that's that's pretty much evidence of a guilty conscience, is what that is. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Beat my ass, mother. Come on. Beat my ass. I'm telling you right now. Okay? He's not going to go to jail. No, no. What he is? I beat mother like you in the ring, like you was a piece of. That's all yours. Yes, man. Shut up. Right there it is. Take a shot. Yeah. No. Oh wait. Okay, we had to. Bleep it out, but he said the N word, okay? Now I got more video. I got more video. Now I need to say this. I do not advocate violence, okay? All right. I got to say that because I'm on TV. However, this was one of those scenarios where I'm going to say on record, I understand what happened next year. This is when, and, and listen, this is a PSA, a public service announcement. This is when keeping it caring goes wrong. Here it is. No, oh, wait. Get in your car. Get in your car. Yeah, you you should have never said. You should have never said. You should have never said that. Consequences and repercussions. Now, once again, I don't advocate for this. Okay, and hopefully this video is a reminder to somebody, listen, you don't threaten people, you don't physically threaten somebody, call them the N word and think nothing's going to happen. Okay, that's inciting violence. And you cannot be the inciter of violence and then claim, oh my God, I don't know what happened. I, no, it doesn't work that way. If you incite violence, you don't physically have to attack someone in order for someone to defend based on you inciting that violence, all right? Uh, Senator, bad situation all the way around, but literally, and I'm not being hyperbolic, the male Karen asked for it. He literally said, do it to me, hit me. And then he called him the N word. Indeed he did. I don't know how many stories like this, Doc, we got a preview. Folks, do not, if you are not black, I don't even like black folks using the word, but let me just put some extra on this. If you are not black, do not attempt this at home. Do not use the N word. And doc, another grandma moment. My grandmother used to say, never write a check, yo, fill it in the blank, can't Can't cash. cash. Yep. 
And here's and the that, thing, yeah, Senator, th- this was, I mean, I looked at this video a few times, right? And I said, you know what? This was an invitation for mutual combat. It was yeah. because the guy kept saying, let's fight, do he it, hit me. He wanted yeah. to fight. So you gotta, you have a proper, in contracts, in contracts law, we will say there's a there's a proper opportunity to negotiate the contract. You have you now have a contractual offer on the table. All right. Once he engages, called a uh, unilateral contract, which means you have to engage the contract by behavior. Once he engaged the contract through those hands, that was a fulfillment of the contractual obligation that he negotiated in. All right, that's just me. I think I could have defended right. this guy. Nobody lays out the law like you do. Let's just say the man got what he asked for, right? Sometimes in a literal sense. Sometimes in life, yeah, you get what you ask for. All right, lessons learned, right, all the way around. Okay, Uh, Candace Owens, the gift that continues to give, right? Candace Owens says she is never getting vaccinated, but there's evidence that she has been vaccinated. Okay, so Candace Owens made some comments during a taping of her show, Candace. In which she claims she's not been vaccinated, she will never be vaccinated. Even though tweets have surfaced of her attending a vaccine required UFC event in Madison Square Garden back in October. Here's the video. (laughs) Next question. Are you really unvaccinated? Really? And then there is a shared tweet that says Candace Owens is lying to her followers about being vaccinated. And it shows me at the UFC. And it's, I guess, planning for your event. Oh, the Madison Square Garden website, which says that you've had at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine prior to attending. I would, um, I would say to the people, first and foremost, I am obviously unvaccinated. You follow the story of me trying to get a COVID test in Aspen. And I only had to get a COVID test to show that it was negative because I was unvaccinated. So I didn't go through those jumps and hoops pretending to be vaccinated. I am not getting this vaccine ever, never gonna get it. I don't care if I'm on my deathbed and they say it can save you, I'm not gonna get it. I'm principally now opposed to it. And I do not understand why anybody who is healthy, able-bodied and young would ever get this vaccine if you're not at risk of COVID. Um, again, personal choice, you can choose something differently. Regarding the UFC event, I would, um, I would instruct you to not to visit the Madison Square Garden website, but to visit uh, the New York uh, City Law website. You better understand that every time uh, the elites make laws for you, there is a way that they can get around the laws that they're making for you. Um, and there are carve outs in New York City of when you do not need to present a vaccine card. And fortunately, I fall under one of those carve outs. That's all I'll say about that. You fall under one of those carve outs that you won't tell us which carve out it is. But my team and I, we've done the research of the carve outs and we are going to see which one applies to you, okay? All right, uh, Candace Owens said she would not even take the shot if it could save her life. If she was on her deathbed, that should let you know this is not about health. This is not about good decisions. This is not about what actually works. This is about ideology. This is about drawing a line in the sand, has nothing to do with taking care of yourself or those around you. She literally said she wouldn't even take the shot if it could save her life, all right? Let you know something much more behind it. So let's put up this picture again of her at the UFC event that required a vaccine, all right? There she is, it's very clear she's there, right? The Madison Square Gardens events guidelines and New York state mandate have the following guidelines. Here it is, the UFC, UFC event, And the MSG did, however, 
require guests age 12 and older to have proof of their COVID-19 vaccination. MSG said New York City requires all guests 12 and older to provide proof of a COVID vaccination. It clarified this meant having at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine prior to attending. Ticketmaster said in its important event info that attendees needed to show up with appropriate ID matching the name on the vaccination document if they wanted to go to the UFC 268, all right? Now, there are actually some carve outs. Let me read them to you. Here are the exceptions, exemptions, etc. Non-resident performing artist, not regularly employed by the covered entity as they are in a covered premises for the purposes of performing. Nope, that doesn't apply to her. A non-resident professional athlete sports team who enters a covered premises as part of their regular employment for purposes of competing and a non-resident individual accompanying a performing artist or professional employment or professional athlete sports team into a covered premises as part of, as part of their regular employment. So long as the performing artist or professional athlete sports team are performing or competing in the covered premises does not apply to Candace Owens. Um, Owens claims that loopholes got her inside based on the guidelines, right? So a search of the New York Department of Health website does not appear to list any such carve outs that would allow Owens to get around the vaccine requirement. Current city guidelines state that people 12 and older participating in the below public indoor activities, including visitor or visiting indoor arenas such as Madison Square Garden are now required to show proof that they have received two vaccine doses, except for those who have received one dose of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Now, here's my conclusion. Based on the fact that she was unwilling to tell you what the carve out is, based on the fact that she was in fact at a vaccine required event. I believe she had at least one vaccine shot or somebody terribly violated the rules for Candace Owens. Senator thoughts here. There it is, that's it. They, somebody violated the rules or she got one shot, but this is madness. It this really is, is. Absolute madness. Yeah, and I thought they were principal people. I thought they said, you know, we're not going to events that require vaccine passports. Well, there you go, you were there. I thought you said you didn't go to those events. Okay, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Always good to be with you, it's good to be back on Indisputable. Okay, let me read some of these amazing comments. I will get to as many as I can. TYT member Shakita Ganai, I think. Beer Dragon, don't let, your, don't let your mouth write a check that your body can't cash. Quincy Jones, the dude. Uh, Eileen, funky cold Medina, Mama Dragon. I will pay my life savings if someone would perform a lie detector test on Auntie Candace. Yeah, not worth it, by the way. All right, YouTube Super Chat. Uh, Roger Harris says, got it. Got an MF three piece and two sides. You know, Roger, when you get a moment, I want you to watch it in slow motion, okay? Yeah, you'll see that it was a little something extra in there. Uh, Gonzalez says, if you don't like equal rights, expect <laughs> y'all too much. <laughs> expect equal lefts, 
hooks and jabs. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. Twitch, cut man, she's a fraud and dumb and a dumbass. Of course, she got the shot. She probably got the booster too. Um, she's definitely trying to convince her followers that she's totally not for vaccination shots, even though Donald Trump told her she should be, right? Remember that? Okay. All right. Let me take you to one of the weirdest fights I've ever seen. A GOP leader decided to do this. A lawmaker did this at a basketball game. Here it is. This Republican lawmaker tried to pull down the pants of the referee during the game. Now, his name is Representative, State Representative Jeremy Faison. Now, Jeremy, there are better ways to request a date these days, okay? I have never seen somebody actually use that move in a fight except for the Three Stooges. This has happened, it's real. Let's see, there it is. And couldn't even do that. If a guy cannot successfully take the pants off of a referee, I mean, good luck in a real fight. Okay, uh, there's a backstory here. That's why we're talking about it. Let's put up a picture of the lawmaker who attempted to do this deed. I'm I'm embarrassed for his sons, okay? Local news station WSMV reports. That this state representative, Jeremy Faison, was attending a boys basketball game at Providence Academy in Johnson City when a tussle broke out among players over loose ball. At this point, Faison, the state rep, left his seat and walked over to the scoring table where he started arguing with a referee, okay? After a brief exchange of words, Faison tried to pull the ref's pants down and then walked away. He was ejected from the building. According to Newsweek, this state rep has a son that plays for the team, all right? A son that plays for the team. I feel bad for that son. The state rep issued an apology later. Here's the apology. He said this and I quote, unfortunately, I acted the fool tonight and lost my temper on a ref. I was wanting him to fight me. Once again, an invitation for mutual combat. Totally lost my junk and got booted from the gym. I've never really lost my temper. I don't believe that. I've never really lost my temper, but I did tonight. And it was completely stupid of me. Emotions getting in the way of rational thoughts are never good. I hope to be able to find the ref and ask for his forgiveness. I was bad wrong, Representative Faison. Senator Turner, uh, have you ever served in the state legislature with anyone quite like this before? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. But I tell you what, Doc, that's a hell of an apology. I like it. <laughs> Starting off, I acted the fool. I, you tonight. know what? I noticed right? that too. I, I think, mean, he could have ended it with that. I mean, that was beautiful. Yeah, I he acted the no fool. Excuse. I acted the fool tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> I said that's all. I ain't got no excuse. I was a bad, I was a fool. 
Point and then when he said, I was bad wrong. I was bad wrong. I this guy's vernacular, I mean, it's amazing. Okay. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful he, apology. Yeah, he has apologized. He took full uh, took, blame yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. That's and, rare. And rightfully so. It really yeah. is, especially, yeah. especially in the GOP. That's extremely it. rare. All right. Yeah. If Trump would have done that, he would have blamed the ref's trousers <laughs> for not coming off. <laughs> All right. This is one of those sad stories that has a good ending, but it never should have been a story in the first place, okay? Um, a man has been freed from prison after being locked up for 37 years because a witness lied, okay? The witness lied because detectives 37 plus years ago decided to bribe a witness, to bribe the witness to lie on the prisoner, on the man who eventually had to go to prison for something he never did. Let's put up a picture of Mr. Willie Stokes. This Pennsylvanian man has been freed from prison after 37 years. After it was revealed, the key witness who put him away was bribed by the police to give false testimony, all right? Willie Stokes release comes after the US District Court of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania vacated his murder conviction last week, concluding that the state violated Stokes constitutional rights by withholding crucial evidence about the false testimony of a key witness in the case, according to court documents. Now this story gets much deeper and it shows you the systemic bias and the insane power that police officers retain in the system, okay? It was not until late November, that the US District Court in Pennsylvania agreed to hold a hearing. After reviewing the evidence, Judge Carol Sandra Moore Wells concluded that for 37 years, prosecutors did, did not disclose to Stokes, Mr. Willie Stokes, and his defense lawyers that Franklin Lee, remember that name, the key witness who had accused him of murder admitted that his testimony was a lie and that he had been convicted of perjury for it, and therefore Stokes was entitled to relief. So you have the system working the right way on one end, but not unraveling what happened on the other, okay? Here's why Franklin lied according to the report. In 1984, Franklin Lee was in prison facing murder and rape charges when he was approached by two homicide detectives who offered him sex, drugs, and a deal in exchange for framing Mr. Stokes. According to his testimony in November, they said, I wouldn't do no more than two to five and the most seven years. Lee added that to help persuade him to testify against Stokes, the detectives allowed his girlfriend to meet with him in private at police headquarters. There's your bribery of sex, okay? Another time he said the detectives provided condoms and a sex worker, another bribery of sex. The two detectives, Lawrence Jarrett and Ernest Gilbert have faced allegations using similar coercive methods to obtain false testimonies from witnesses in other cases, according to court documents. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, they were well aware how these cops got justice or their brand of it. 
which was a miscarriage of justice and corrupt to the core. They knew about these cops and these cops were still on the payroll, okay? On August 21st, 1984, a jury convicted Mr. Stokes of first degree murder and possession of an instrument of crime and sentenced him to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Soon after, they also charged Lee for perjury for his false hearing testimony, but that information was never disclosed to Stokes. Isn't that something? Literally, the man that put it behind bars gets convicted of perjury because somebody saw through the story and then they don't unravel what it did to Mr. Stokes, all right? Uh, Let me be very clear about this. What I'm exposing here is not a microcosm. Don't look at this as a one-off. This is not the system got it wrong. It was a mistake. It's a rarity. This is systemic. This permeates in the culture of criminal justice in the United States of America. Do you know how many detectives like this not only have always existed, but currently exist today? And do you know how many of them are known throughout the ranks as being dirty cops and nobody does a damn thing about it? You can't tell me there are more good cops than bad cops when the bad cops seem to run the culture. All right, Senator Turner thoughts. You know, Mr. Stokes, I'm I'm glad that he is finally getting justice, but after almost four decades, they yeah. can't give him his time back or his life back. I oh. hope he gets a whole lot of money, even though that can never repair the damage. And I was really heartened by the quote by District Attorney, Philadelphia District Attorney uh, Krasner, when he called this uh, police and prosecutory malpractice, because that is exactly what it is. And then my, my hope is not only can Stokes get a whole lot of money, but they need to go back in time around up all the folks, including those detectives that were involved in this miscarriage of justice, and they need to suffer. And that's why, consequences. absolutely. And that's why we say bad cops, corrupt cops are expensive to taxpayers. Because yes, is. they are going to review other cases. And yes, there will be payout and there will likely be multiple payouts. And the risk of having a bad cop does not make good sense for the taxpayer in that local community. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I got a question. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. I pray for this man. Lord, I pray you take the smell of smoke, the disappointment, the bitterness, the anger, the feeling of betrayal and loss. It must be a terrible thing, Lord, to to, to actually feel as though you've been stolen an election and that the nation that you love is is suffering with it. But I'm asking you, Lord, I'm asking, it's fine, I just found a, a flag here. I didn't know I had this. I'll bring that out. I pray, Lord, that you'll take the smoke away, but you'll give him a revelation that he is nothing but an instrument of yours, and that as an instrument, you have your hand on him, so that, Lord, he won't be moving in anger or bitterness or, or, or rage, but you'll take that away from him and show him that he's but an instrument and that he's being used by the hand of providence. This is what we're dealing with, okay? This is what we're dealing with. You can't be diplomatic with everybody. I know people say, you know, we need bipartisan solutions. We need everybody to come to the table. We need everyone's voices to be heard. No, damn that. I do not need everybody's voices to be heard. Let me give you 
an example. I don't give a damn what the KKK has to say. I, I, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't need to create some synergy with them, all right? We're dealing with individuals who not only are religious bigots, where they utilize religion in order to protect their bigotry. This televangelist is literally praying over a cardboard, a picture, a cutout. There's no telling what else he does with this cardboard in his office. (laughs) Senator Turner, what are your thoughts here? Doc, number one, I do believe in the power of prayer. Okay, I do Certainly too. I do. Yeah, he needs but it. The, the, he needs it. Uh, he needs to perform an exorcism if he's gonna do anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. I do. But I do believe in the power of prayer. But this stuff is just—I mean, we can't even. I just can't even wrap my mind around around what that yes. preacher did. But I it should just, have been an exorcism. I just—I just wanted to show the audience what we're dealing with out here in these streets. Okay, Senator. How can people follow you and connect with you and your great work? Well, Doc, first of all, happy 100th. I know you hit your 100th show this week, baby. Go uh, ahead. Really? Well, damn. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Come on. Thank you. Now. I was unaware. I'm serious. Happy I was so 100th. unaware, but thank you. <laughs> but uh, Nina Turner, uh, at Nina Turner on Twitter, Nina Turner Ohio on the gram. And it is always a pleasure to join you on Thursday because you are absolutely indisputable. I like how you said that, Senator. I appreciate you. You are one of a kind, my dear queen. Thank you. Back at you. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Reaction next.